Friday morning, pregame.com. Gil Alexander, you betting dork. Love Fridays, of course, because the man is here. Fresh off his accurate call on Denny Hamlin at the Pocono 500 last week, Vegas runner was happening. My man, uh, never better, brother. World Cup kicks off today, and you cannot imagine the excitement here in Vegas. The books are going all out as if it's like the Super Bowl, no lie. Uh, there's so many contests and props, and come to this property, we're going to have it on all day, and live in-game betting. And I mean, they are really looking to take advantage, and I absolutely love it, because right now we have the NBA betters still you know, involved, and uh, more of them should get some World Cup action. And, of course, we got baseball going. So uh, it's just, uh, uh, I say it every week. But it really is a great time. And with the World Cup coming now, when the NBA Finals will be over within a week, uh, timing couldn't be better as we uh, await the football season. So uh, it's nice to have that mixture in there to go along hand-in-hand with Major League Baseball action. Yeah, because even the, even the most diehard baseball betters like myself, like you, even we would admit that just having baseball now, you know, in the dog days of summer three months in, is sort of a grind and a half. So the World Cup is just showing up at just the most spectacular time. And like like you intimate, $1.5 billion VR in money we know about being bet on the World Cup. I mean, that makes the Super Bowl and the NCAA tournament look like, you know, a gentleman's bet. Yeah, like a WNBA game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like a WNBA. That's right. The mercury and the sparks. Um, no, no, yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's going to keep attracting action. And I think we have an advantage as sports bettors with baseball when there's other things going on. Because if, if another sport, another matchup's going to attract a lot of volume, then obviously the odds makers are going to put a little less work in the Major League Baseball card. So I think when there's NBA Finals going on, later when you know preseason football, then the regular season starts with college and pro, I really think that's when, as pro sports bettors, we gain an advantage because you know the, the less work the odds makers put into uh, uh, a board, you know, the more advantages we have, and I think our edge grows. So for me, you know, the more things that are going on simultaneously, the better, I think. Yeah, and I think you're right. You made that point when the NBA playoffs uh, was in full swing with uh, lots of different matchups in the NBA playoffs, you know, in the earlier rounds. But one of the things that I've already noticed, to your point, is that today, and I don't know if it's the confluence of the World Cup coupled with interleague play, but I notice way more value on the Major League Baseball board today than I have in probably the last two weeks minimum. Exactly, and it's going to stay like that as long as we have the NBA Finals and as the the momentum for the World Cup, you know, gets bigger and bigger. And we're going to find more and more value because of that fact. They're putting less time into it, you know, so when you put less time into it, you might overlook a player that may be getting rest or a bullpen that, that may be tired or may be fresh. I mean, just little things that, believe it or not, escape the odds maker because they're human like you or me. And sometimes when they don't have that time to really go in and dissect a matchup, what happens is they resort to their power ratings. And their power ratings is based on that intrinsic value that we always talk about. And as strong as a starting point as that is, 
you need the handicap to match up to be able to adjust from those, you know, the, the strength, the power ratings. So I think, you know, there's a huge edge for us when, when they just go solely on power ratings for their numbers. Well, since we're talking about baseball, we'll, we'll hold the soccer off uh, till next uh, discussion here on the World Cup. But since we're talking baseball here, interleague play begins today with the exception of one series, with the exception of the uh, Cardinals and Diamondbacks because of the uh, extra couple teams in the National League, if you will. What, um, as you sort of peruse the board, anything leap off the page for you? Well, the, the one thing I really want to stress um, when it comes to interleague play, and I don't know why some better, some handicappers get intimidated. Um, the truth is, it's, it's as beatable, if not more beatable, I think, than even the, the regular season when, you know, when, when they're playing within their divisions. Um, truth is, the only thing you need to adjust is now look at it how your team performs when compared to the entire Major League Baseball, and not just when co- as compared to the AL on NL. So I adjust my numbers that way. You know, when I power rate the offense for the White Sox, I'm going to power rate them as compared to the entire Major League Baseball and not just the American League. So the adjustment, you know, isn't that difficult to do. With that said, the other thing you really need to focus on is whose part they're playing in and whether or not they're changing what they usually do. By that, I mean, are they now going to have to bat in the ninth spot is the pitcher? Mm-hmm. Are you losing the DH? You know, or is the National League team gaining a DH and not having to use their pitcher? So, I mean, those are the things that you can't overlook. And uh, teams that that you might think are weak may have an advantage playing in their park, you know, because now all of a sudden the DH isn't playing for your opposite, you know, the opposition. So I think that number one, you really have to, you know, take a strong look at where they're playing and who has the advantage. Um, other than that, we these matchups, to be honest with you, for this weekend, Philly Boston intrigues me. Um, Dodgers Angels, you know, kind of because it's that California thing. But I don't love the matchups. There's nothing huge jumping out, you know. I mean, it's Houston Yankees, you know, and the White Sox Cubs. These are two sub 500 teams, you know, Texas Milwaukee, Mets Baltimore. There, there's nothing really intriguing about that. These matchups, other than we're going to get to see the phenom once again against Cleveland on Sunday, you know. I'll tell you the truth. Nothing jumps out as I can't wait to see this series. The Strasburg thing is interesting for Sunday, as you point out. How do you expect, because of course we don't have a line for that yet, but how do you anticipate that the the overreaction is going to be? Do you expect it to already occur on Sunday? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the perception forced a, a ridiculous adjustment. Um, what many people fail to realize is, that Washington line opened at minus 164. Wow. And then another book opened it at 170. And at one point it was up to 240. Now you have to remember, going in, the odds makers already know that Washington's going to be the side that, that the public betters are going to back. They know that going in. And their obligation is to protect their clients, the sports books. And to do that, they're going to force you to pay 
an unfair price to back Washington. So what I'm trying to say is minus 165 was already an inflated number. Now, going up to 220, 240, they're just making sure that in the long run, you're not going to make any money back in this kid. And as great as he is, and as, as much as he's going to live up to the hype as long as you know his arm stays healthy, truth is, you're not going to get any value. If anything, after that performance, you're going to get even less value. I mean, for me, truth is, it's fade Washington when he's on the mound right now or leave the game alone. You're not going to make any money laying these ridiculous numbers with a team where, you know, just looking at the math, simple math, you can't lay 220s on a team like Washington and turn a profit. This is a team that was only favored six times this year going into that series. Six times. And now we're looking at them, you know, minus 150s. And, yes, they swept, and, yes, they got the money, but this is a long-term business. This is a long-term investment. This isn't hit and run. If you're going to do that, you might as well just go run in, play black or red on the roulette wheel, and, and take your shot that way. Long-term, you got to think ahead, and thinking ahead is you're not going to make money laying 220s on a team like Washington because sooner or later he's going to have to depend on his bats Sooner or later, he's going to have to depend on his bullpen. It's not tennis. It's not golf. And one man alone can't get the job done every single time. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I mean, it's it's sort of like that, um, and this, we see it uh, when, when folks are betting the Yankees. You know, when the Yankees come out at a line of minus 220 or whatever, you know, huge favorite they are on any given day. And it's sort of that feeling, that, that sort of separates the, the square from the sharp in that, the, the square better becomes very drunk at a moment before that Yankees game where they're like, oh, it's the Yankees. I mean, we all know how great they are. Minus 220, of course they're going to win. I've got to play it. You know, and it's just like, no, actually, you don't because there's only a certain percentage of time that they're going to win that ball game. And there is no value at a certain point. And with Strasburg, as you point out, you, you almost have to giggle because you're like, dude, it's still the Nationals. Come on now. No, exactly. It's just the, the the sports books, the odds makers are well aware Yankees are going to get the money. You know, teams like that are definitely going to get public backing. And what they are forced to do is charge a ridiculous price, which eliminates the value. And, I mean, looking at this team right now, you know, they're 37 and 23. That's a great record. But with that said... Even winning that many games, they're only up about three units on the year, you know? And, you know, you have to pick your right spots. I'm not saying not to back them, but even a team that wins at that high of a rate, the sportsbooks are going to do everything in their power to stop you from being able to turn a profit on this team. And, yeah, if you bet them 100 every day, you may turn a profit at the end of the year. But you're never... Not never. That's a strong word. You're not going to find too many spots where they're offering you the value. Perfect example last night was Baltimore. The books were able to win back all the money that they lost in games one and two when the public backed the Yankees on the money line, when they backed the Yankees on the run line. And the sports books know 
if this team even wins two out of every three games, as long as we put out a certain price, people are not going to be able to profit with this team. And because the betting public, unfortunately, doesn't know how to wager correctly, that increases the edge even more for the sports book. So unless you are extremely disciplined, you can't make money betting teams like that. And let's tell it like it is. The reason 90, 95% of sports bettors lose is because they lack that discipline. So, you know, the books have such an edge when they're able to manipulate the price and make sure you're not getting any value. And they could, you know, find comfort in the fact sooner or later the better's going to make a a wagering mistake. So, you know, you got to be careful with these teams that, that, or the premiums, the marquees, because you're not going to get any, you know, real value on them. Well, before we get to the World Cup, because I do want to, I do want to dive into that. Uh, one last sort of neither here nor there baseball question. Then, so if I put a gun to your head and I asked you to be lines maker, what do you predict that line is on Sunday, Strasburg against the Indians? Oh, I, I, it, well, the thing's going to ha- be what, what what happens in the game one and two. Are they, you know, about to get swept or something like that? Um, and Cleveland's actually not playing well, but they have won four of their last seven. But I do not think you will get him at less than 220 on the road. Jeez. Wow. And it's going to go off at that. I mean, even if they bring it out 180, the, the betting public's going to move it up. Um, and I expect it to go off above the 200 range for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I couldn't imagine it being any lower than that. You know? No, and this is a team that's actually 12 and 19 on the road. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. All right, so look, I woke up really early this morning because I am a World Cup fan. Of course, out here on the West Coast, that means I'm waking up, you know, 6.30, 6.45 before the Mexico-South Africa match. Already the sound of those buzzards or whatever that beehive noise that they make in the stadium in South Africa is already ringing in my head. They hosed Mexico out of a goal already in the first uh, half, so World Cup fever is at a, is at a high pitch already. This is the greatest sporting event in the world, period. And you talked about this last time on the show, VR, but it is, as a result, the most square betting event in the entire world. What are you hearing uh, in your circles about the World Cup at this point? Absolutely. It is by far one of the squarest bet sports. And the reason for this is because you're looking at an unsophisticated market when compared to the U.S. market when we wager on the big three. What I'm trying to say is this. Even your most public better here has access to a lot more information than the rest of the world does. And you have to remember, there's a lot of these small countries that don't even have Internet connections. You know, and, and these people are betting into our market, and because of that, the odds makers are going to have to weigh in perception heavily. And as the World Cup moves forward, that perception is going to be magnified. Um, the wise guys that I spoke to out here are licking their chops. And what their, their approach is this. They took advantage of some futures that they believe there's value. Then what they did is approach it this way. They're going to go light early on because of the 
fact, they think that the odds makers' numbers earlier, believe it or not, are stronger, and as they go forward, they're forced away in perception more because they're dealing with a more unsophisticated market. So you could expect the sharp money to really start taking a stand as we go into, you know, a week it passes, you know, 10 days go by, you, you're going to start seeing some heavy line moves because these guys will get involved. And like I said, the bottom line is we are dealing with an even more unsophisticated market when it comes to World Cup soccer. And because of that, there's value. And, you know, sharps sit around and look to extract value. They don't care what it is. I mean, it could be the, uh, a cliff diving championship. If they have an edge, they're going to bet it. They don't need to watch it. And they're licking their chomps awaiting the World Cup because of that fact. It's going to get a sick amount of money, as you stated at the start of the show, that in comparison to our Super Bowl and our March Madness. And because of that, these lines are going to be heavily influenced by public perception, and we're dealing with a very unsophisticated market. Now, I'm not saying there's not wise guys around the world that know their soccer. That, you know, I'd be lying. There's a lot of guys that know this extremely well. With that said, it's just like our Super Bowl. When Sunday of the Super Bowl, there are people making wagers that never wagered in their lives. Mm -hmm. That are, you know, if you stand at the counter at any Las Vegas book, one out of every three people don't understand they have to read off the betting number. They're asking the teller, what's it mean, minus seven? You know, what's the money line mean? So the World Cup's going to attract those type of people in other countries. And because of that, like I said, there's going to be value based on that perception, just like there is, you know, with the money line every year on the Super Bowl, and there is during March Madness, and the wise guys clean up on you know, a lot of things like March Madness and in playoffs because perceptions weighed heavier because you're looking at, at bettors who may not have placed a bet any other time during the year. And that's what's happening right now with the World Cup. People that have never bet in their lives are open up sportsbook accounts, are finding their local neighborhood bookies in other countries, and they're going to start betting the World Cup. And I love that fact. That's a pretty impactful thing that you're saying, though, because, you know, I compare it, obviously, uh, let's compare it to something like baseball. I always say that with baseball, the beginning of the season, the lines aren't, aren't tight. You have an advantage as a sharp better over the books. There's not, you know, a huge amount of um, public action off the top. And it's sort of, you, t you have an advantage early on in the season. And what you're sort of saying that here in the World Cup is almost the exact opposite of that, which is the money is so dumb that you should wait a couple, you know, matches in. And then, because that just changes everything. It, it's almost like its own separate entity in the world that when it starts, it's actually tighter than it is later on. And that's a, that's a pretty impactful statement, I think. And it's true because you have to remember, this isn't just one game like the Super Bowl where everyone's going to get down on that day. When you have a whole new you know, wave of bettors, they're going to be more timid. And if anything, they're going to want their bankroll to last. So you're going to see less action early. But as they get comfortable making wagers, as they get comfortable with the website that's taking their bets or the bookmaker they're calling these wagers into, you're going to see more money get bet. And when there's more money bet, 
that's when you're going to see more per- more perception influenced into the number you know so when i was this was explained to me it, the reasoning made sense because of the yeah. fact it's not one game it's you know a month's time and betters new betters are going to take some time to get more comfortable in wagering because they might not have bet ever before you know yeah and because of that more money is going to come in as we move forward and that's going to be an advantage to the sharper betters well and as you point out we have the luxury of seeing a whole bunch of lines not just on each individual game having just a menu of bets you can possibly make but we have the lines in front of us you know basically throughout the entire first uh, round of matches in the group round. And so even having said what we just said about sticking around and waiting, I'm sure there are a couple matches that you look at right now and you're hearing some uh, some value that's out there. Oh, yeah, a- absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Um, Betters and Sharps are going to be taking positions from, from day one, I believe. You know what I mean? Um, as of today, for today's, I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard any group taking a big position. I expect over the next few days for that definitely to change. These guys are already, you know, they've already started working on these matchups when they went up. Um, now it's just a matter of them deciding when to take these positions. Uh, you know, is the market going to move one way or move the other? And because they've done this before, as far as the betting syndicates are concerned, they have a much better feel for this. Um, so they, they have the luxury of knowing whether to jump on a, uh, a team right now or to wait and get a better number, you know, an hour or a half hour before they start the game. But with that said, they will be getting down over these next few days for sure. I'm just saying the positions will gradually increase as the World Cup advances. Hearing anything about the USA team? What, what, what are people saying? Yeah, I mean, this is a team, believe it or not, that that after not going to the World Cup for 40 years, this team's qualified every World Cup since 1990. So if anything, they're getting more and more, you know, experienced in, in than as far as the, the world is concerned, soccer, not just American soccer. With that said, um, what I am hearing is that there's some injury concerns and they're not as healthy um, as they could be, and that's why we're looking at shot uh, fifty to one shot um, with them. With that said, most expect them to come out of Group C along with England. I think that's probably right, or at least we're praying that's right. Because <laughs> because if it doesn't if it doesn't happen, it's going to be a lot of sad people here, and it's going to be the same old story for U.S. soccer. But I think you're right. I think they do come out of out of the group at least advancing. They should. They should. I mean, because yes. Slovenia and Algeria um, in that Group C, you know, and Algeria is 500 to one, you know, shot, and uh, Slovenia is 200 to one. Now that's not saying that's what the true odds really are, but they're in a group where, other than you know, England, they should be able to handle themselves and advance to the second round. I don't believe they get past that, but they should get out of this Group C. Okay, all right. I don't want to press you on it, but is there is there a lean that you can give us at least one for a team? You mean no, just in terms of one of these matches here early on. Looking at the uh, the, the team that I've been hearing a lot about, um, that that supposedly is extremely strong and may not get respect early on um, because they are a new country. Let's say 
is I'm hearing great things about this Serbian team, that they could do a lot of damage, but you got to be careful. They're playing Ghana first, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's an African team, so you got to be careful there. Um, the other team that I know the wise guys are looking to back early, um, especially in, in, in their first game, is Chile over Honduras. Wow. That's, yeah, that, that's a play that they really like. Um, more or less from what I'm hearing, that's going to be the biggest position um, so far that's been taken in this first round of games. I like it's it. Chile over Honduras. I'll pass it along to your 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 listeners because I love doing your show. So I'm <laughs> going to give them the biggest play that I've heard from the wise guys. You you get everything out of me, brother. I was going to say when I, when I press you on it or when the show's going on, are you secretly like, come on, Gil? <laughs> no, 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 no. You know me, man. I love giving away the, my my opinions when asked, uh, and uh, uh, that that's the one everybody's waiting on. It goes 4:30 a.m. Um, on Wednesday the 16th. I know that because I've already bet it and circled it. Um, so so Chile is the side um, that they're unloading on. With that said, you got to get down early because I think that number's just going to go up. I like it. Uh, see, I have the secret. I have the secret thing that you're in your head. You're going. This motherfucker is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the team that I that I think I'm fading early. I don't know about in their first match or in their second match, but certainly as the uh, tournament goes along, is Argentina. I think that um, Diego. Maradona is in way over his head as the coach or the manager or whatever the proper terminology is for the Argentinian national team. And I'm told that he is surrounded by assistants who are sort of cronies and inexperienced as well. And I don't think even the mastery of Lionel Messi is going to be able to overcome that at some point. So they're really a team I'm looking to fade here. Uh, moving on. I've heard the same exact thing. You know, they got probably the best player um, in Messi, like you said, but uh, there's no trust in, in Maradona as far as uh, his ability to, to get this team, you know, to go to advance. Um, so I, I've heard the exact same thing. This is not a team you want to back, um, especially early on. Um, yeah, I think there'll be value fading them because of the fact they have probably one of, if not the best player um, in the world on the field. And just like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James are going to attract action, um, so is Messi. And if, if we took a, an NBA game and went and played it over in South Africa and, and you put the Cavaliers uh, against Orlando all the money would come in on Cleveland because of yeah. the fact they know LeBron and they don't know any of the Orlando players. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with soccer. So, I, you know, you got to really think it through on the terms like that and try to compare it to our own sports and how when there's a big star, you're going to pay a premium. And, you know, Argentina's one of them teams, like you said, has Messi, and because of that, he's going to get action, and you're going to never find value, definitely not early on. Perfect segue, VR, to the NBA. 2-2 two to two now, Boston wins last night at the Garden. Well, I don't know if it's the Garden anymore, but 2-2 two to two now in the NBA. That's the Garden, it's the Garden. <laughs> the Garden. What an interesting series this has been. I mean, game one, I mean, every every game has had its own dynamic. I mean, game one, the Lakers basically blow them out. Game two, Ray Allen goes gangbusters, and the Celtics eke out a win. 
Game three, three, they get nothing from Ray Allen. Garnett plays well, and the Lakers eke out a win. And then last night, it's none of the guys you would think. It's that bench led by Glenn Big Baby Davis. I mean, this has been a fascinating series. We're zigging, we're zagging, we're zigging, we're zagging. That's what's been happening Mm -hmm. in the NBA playoffs, in the NBA finals, excuse me. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I loved the under last night, and thank God, Bookie Bill Slicks unloaded on it. Um, so I was good on that side, but I really thought the point spread would come into play. And this may sound crazy. Historically speaking, I liked Boston to win that game. Um, teams in that position had an extraordinary game four record. With that said, I was under the impression that for the first time in this series, the point spread would come into play. So I think that's where I get in trouble thinking like a professional better too much because at Pickham, I loved Boston. But at four, I thought the Lakers offered the value. So even though I felt in my gut Boston was going to get that win, um, like I said, I really rely on historical probability, um, especially when I break down the team and handicap the team and create my price, and none of that tells me otherwise. I like to depend on that historical data. So I felt Boston should get the win here, but it'll be close enough game that, that I really thought the Lakers would would get that backdoor cover and it came close um they just erupted in the fourth quarter uh where i was mostly surprised is not that the lakers had an eight point lead at one time i was more surprised that they just are not running the court at all once again just two fast break points and more importantly boston finally got it done in the paint they outscored them by 20 points in the paint And that's something that should not happen when a team is just so much bigger than you. When you have Bynum, and I know he's not healthy and he only played 12 minutes, but you got Odom, you got Gasol, you got, you know, you got some big guys down there. Um, You shouldn't get outscored by 20 points in the paint. So I think that was the difference maker. Um, That and Boston just got momentum at the right time. When you look at the box score, other than the turnovers that the Lakers had, um, eight more turnovers, and uh, Boston didn't shut them down. You know, they shot a better field goal percentage. They shot a better three-point percentage. Um, They both got to the line just about exactly the same and shot the same from the line. Boston had one more free throw, made one more free throw. Um, But, again, the most telling stat, and I don't know if this could be replicated as we go forward, is the fact that they outscored them by 20 in the paint and they out-rebounded the L.A. Lakers by 7, especially on the offensive glass where Boston got 16 offensive rebounds. Um, I know that Coach will not take kindly to that when a team out-rebounds them, you know, 16 offensive boards to 8. Um, I could see them doing some laps today, boy. Yeah, and isn't, I mean, so many things leap to mind. One, I was just like you last night, VR. I 
didn't bet the Celtics on the spread. I bet them on the money line. I felt the That's same way. That's where the value was, believe it or not. Yeah. But I, it just had gone up. They moved when it was at 165. I was ready to bet, jump on it. And uh, betters moved it up to 180. I saw 185, and, and that's what backed me off, to be honest with you. But that was a great call you made. Well, I mean, and, and the only reason I say that is is I felt the same way about the spread. I'm like, well, four is a lot of points. And, you know, in the end, it's funny. If that three-pointer goes in, didn't, didn't it come down to that last three-pointer in the end in the game? If I'm exactly. not mistaken, yeah. If it, 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 it lands, it, it lands on four, you right. know, and there's a push there, except for the guys that got down early. You're absolutely right, and that would have been the first time that the number even came, you know, into effect. Yeah, so it was good not having to worry about that, first of all. The other thing, just from a basketball perspective, that leaps to mind after a game like that, and I said this about Dewan Blair of Pitt also, I am so sick and tired of NBA GMs passing on guys like Dewan Blair from Pitt and Big Baby from LSU who were not just very good college basketball players, they were outstanding college basketball players. I mean, you know, Big Baby was the SEC Player of the Year, and he was, you know, he got LSU into the Final Four, and he was the 35th pick in the draft. And I'm just tired of seeing all these teams pass on it. Look at this guy. I mean, is enough is enough with these GMs, you know, drafting on body prototype. I agree totally, especially since a lot of these guys still aren't men at that point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're still developing. We can't forget these guys are still kids, you know, and a lot of times they just don't have that professional attitude yet. You know, and that's why they're, they, they might not be as, as appealing physically as, as someone else may be. Um, with that said, you're absolutely right. A guy like, you know, Big Baby getting passed over, Blair being passed over because of that fact is ridiculous. And they end up, you know, becoming good pros. I mean, sure, Glenn Big Baby Davis isn't going to go out there and give you 20 points, but that's not his role right now. I don't know what he's going to do in the future, but right now, you know, he's doing what is asked of him, and he stepped up yesterday with 18 points. More importantly, he shot 70% from the field. You know, this kid's coming into his own. He got four offensive rebounds, which were huge um, for Boston, and he kid even got two steals. Um, you know, so I, I agree with you. I think the bench was huge yesterday, and the Boston bench just outplayed the Lakers bench. I mean, you look, and if I'm not mistaken, the, the bench put about 40 points on the board for Boston. And when your, your final scores is 96-89, that's a lot. I will tell you the one thing that you and I talked about above all last week that I have not stopped thinking about since, and that is our point about the 2-3-2 format here in the finals. Because it keeps getting back to that for me, which is as long as the Lakers have games six and seven back in L.A., you know, here I am sitting with the Celtics to win the series ticket. I can't get as excited as I otherwise would be knowing that that's the format with those two games hanging over my head. Yeah, especially with the fact that, you know, Boston already won once in L.A. and before that, nobody had won in the playoffs in L.A. Um, and when you look at 
during the season, this team's regular season home record, it's not going to be easy to win there. I mean, they're not 43-8 and by accident, you know, 43-7 and before um, Boston beat them. So, that, I mean, this is a team that was winning 86% of their home games. So that's a huge advantage for them. With that said, if Boston can take, you know, game five at home, then your back's against the wall, and the problem becomes you're playing a little tight, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, any mistake, and it's over for you. So, and if anything, Boston will come in even more relaxed, knowing we got two cracks at it. Let's go out there and have some fun. And when a team comes in with, with that attitude, you know, it could be problematic for the Lakers. You know, I think Game 5 is extremely important for them, and Boston has a lot of momentum now going into that Game 5 after last night. So I think Game 5 is going to be huge um, for the Lakers because you don't want to go back um, one game from elimination, even though, again, Sure, there's nothing better than knowing they got to come to your court and beat you, but they don't have to beat you twice. You know, they got to just win one out of two, and they've already shown they have the capabilities to do that. So, I mean, the pressure will be on the Lakers to try to get this winning games five, where, you know, I think Boston, the odds makers bring them out, three point favorite again. Um, you know, they're definitely in the driver's seat as far as if they could take game five. You know, I have to say the series is in jeopardy for sure. Yeah, um, you did mention a three-point spread, and the number's 187.5. You think you're more likely to play the uh, the spread or the uh, total? To be honest with you, I'm definitely looking at, at the side. Um, haven't made uh, an, uh, a position yet, I'll be honest with you, still breaking it down. Um, I like the fact that they brought out the number exactly as they did the last two games. Yeah. Um, looking back through history, I, that I'm trying to dig into that um, a little bit. Uh, like I said, you know, looking at the total, though, they finally made an adjustment down it now. It's, we're looking at 187 and a half. Um, that's a huge adjustment from an opener of 194 in game one. You know, and now that's about six, seven points of an adjustment. Um, but because the books have been getting split money throughout the series, you know, I got to hand it to the odds makers. They're doing a good job. They haven't been forced to really make any major adjustments because of the fact they're getting balanced action in more or less all these games. Well, and it is, and it has been. It makes sense because it has been the quintessential series of, if you listen to Lakers fans or Celtics fans or people back in the Lakers, people back in the Celtics, it's so interesting listening to rationales because both sides can make you know their own cases. On, on the Celtics' hand, it's, it's like, they, I, I still don't think the Lakers have an answer for Rajon Rondo. Obviously, this bench play has been a, you know, a revelation for Boston. And if Ray Allen's on, you can make the case, oh, the Lakers have no shot whatsoever. On the Lakers side of things, they're like, even when Ray Allen did go crazy, you barely beat us. In the end, you can't beat us in L.A. Um, You don't have an answer if Fish goes off. I mean, it's so interesting how this splits right down the middle, and it it has bared out in the first four games. It it really does, Gil. You hit it right on the head. And I think that's why I'm looking at a side bet. Um, in Game 5, but I know 
speak in the bookie bill this morning because he already got a, uh, he gave me a baseball play for tonight. His guys are coming. He's expecting a big play on the side for Game 5. So I am hoping I, I agree with that side. I don't want to buck these guys because they're hot right now. But um, the, as far as the numbers concerned, I think that's why we can find an edge on the side because they're getting split action. Um, there's no reason to put out a true number. Um, instead, they're, they're able to put out a fair number. And the fair number is not going to represent actual strength instead it's there to balance the money and not balance the result um and because of that i think as a better you you could really find an edge as far as the science concerned and uh you, you hit it right on the head you could make an argument for both these teams um Day in and day out, I'm hearing just as I mean, living here in Vegas, it's a little skewed. You know, the the sports books out here are definitely going to need Boston every night. But speaking the books back in Philly and New York, they need the Lakers every night. You know, so it's we're getting split action all the way around as far as the sides concerned. Um, even split action on the total. That's a great thing for the books. Um, they couldn't be happier. I'm gonna say one thing you need to de- if you could determine who's going to win the rebound battle you're going to find yourself the winner of game five so far in every game these two teams played whoever out rebounded the other won the game straight up it's going to come down to who crashes the board and who gets inside the paint interesting well said yeah that's bad that has been the one truism for every game that's for sure so that game is Sunday. Game five is Sunday. If there is a game six, I'm assuming that's a Tuesday game. I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that's a Tuesday game uh, if they follow the same schedule they have been. Well, there will be a Tuesday game. There will be a game six no matter what, so obviously that will be in L.A. And uh, Yeah, it's more important for the Lakers. When you look at the Lakers' last ten games, um, other than the one where it was you know 41-40, so the rebounding edge was even, Every game they out-rebounded their opposition, they won. When they didn't out-rebound their opposition, they lost. Um, when they lost to Phoenix by nine points, that 106-115, were out-rebounded by 15 in that game. Boston, on the flip side, that's just not the case. They've won games where they've been out-rebounded, and they've won games where they've out-rebounded the opposition. So I think it's really important... For the Lakers, if they're going to win the game, they're going to have it shows. I mean, nothing could no fact or, or stat proves that better than looking at their season and the playoff history so far this season. Um, the fact that when they don't rebound, they lose. And, and yesterday was another perfect example of that. Game five Sunday in Boston. Hey, VR, what, what, since I have you here, I did want to ask you a very vague general question about college football right now. Um, with all that's going on in college football, with the conferences, well, the Big 12 basically imploding, teams flocking to the Pac-10, which is now going to be the Pac-16 or whatever it is, and then teams going to the Big 10. Lord knows how many teams that will end up in the end. But all this is going on in college football, does this affect, or how much does this affect sort of your futures thinking? As far as college football, absolutely. And this is going to affect it big time. Um, I, sometimes I do bet a college football future to win it all. Um, uh, to be honest with you, a lot of the times I don't. Um, two years ago I did when I bet Florida. Um, 
when the season started, you know, and they won it all for me. Um, but last year, I don't believe I did, and a lot of times I don't because of the fact the championship matchup is decided by the computer, and that's uh, something that I, I, I really don't have, you know, as much of an advantage over. Right. You know, it, as far as if it gets settled on the field, I think I have a better chance of, of finding that future value and handicap in it. Um, but when you're depending on that BCS system, it eliminates a lot of the value because of the fact there's only a small number of teams that you could even look at to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. By saying even uh, a team, a, a BYU, a Boise, a team like that that goes undefeated, um, you're still not going to get them in the championship game. So even though there may be value in the future, you got to come to realization that they're not going to play in, in, in the big game. It's going to come out of the SEC. It's going to come out of a power conference. Um, so that limits you as far as, as, far as futures are concerned. Um, from what I'm hearing with this shakeup, um, but, uh, wise guys are really already hard at work um, trying to determine what effect this is going to have um, as far as, you know, looking at the conference now is concerned. So it's going to change the game completely. Um, I think the, the, the betters are going to have, the wise guys at least, are going to have an edge on the odds makers like they do whenever there's a change or whenever there's a new sport. So I would definitely respect the the more significant line moves on those teams on those conferences which have changed um you know you really need to respect what they're doing because they would not be taking positions they they have they're patient they don't need action they're willing to take a wait and see approach so if they're going to step in and take a position you know there's sound reasoning behind it and my advice is to respect those significant line moves when dealing with those teams and those conferences. Yeah, and you make a good point about, you know, in terms of, in terms of back to the futures for a second, in terms of the uh, national championship, we're not really dealing with teams thus far uh, that really have a shot, the teams that are moving anyway, that really have a legit shot, uh, uh, with the exception of Texas now, of course, which is going to be right, right. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the one team you look at and like, huh, well, maybe they could certainly... Uh, you know, win the conference. Of course, there's no championship game in that conference, but then they're the one team that's sort of that shift in dynamic affecting their futures in terms of winning the national championship. But they're probably really the only team that's moving right now that you even have to make that consideration for, I would imagine. I agree 100%. All right, so last week, VR, you made the NASCAR call of the week. You had Hamlin winning the Pocono 500, and you nailed it. Love it. Who knew you were? Who who knew you were NASCAR? You were all about it. <laughs> so now this week you've got another NASCAR pick for us, correct? Yes, I do. And uh, coming from the same uh, source, I like it. Who uh, is uh, pointing me in the direction of Jeff Gordon, the number twenty-four car? Um, find anywhere from eight to one and higher on him as we speak. Um, that's the car they're looking to back. Um, another long, the long shot that I've been told to uh, toss a dollar on. There is a chance this guy can step it up. Um, at odds of 20 to 1 and higher is Matt Kenseth in the number 17 car. But uh, the, the, the main position, the one I'm definitely going to give out um, to my clients, 
is Jeff Gordon, the number 24 car. Um, I get down on him because uh, once qualifying is done and uh, you're going to see a little change of the odds, and this one's at Michigan um, where they usually perform well, so I've, I, I'd say get down on him pretty quickly. All right. Jeff Gordon is your main play. Kenseth, the long shot. Hey, they gave you the winner last time. You passed it along. I'm I'm riding with you again. No question about that. Why not, brother? Why not? VR, dude. I think we covered it pretty well. Baseball, Great show. soccer, basketball, NASCAR, a little college football mixed in. I appreciate it, dude. It is going to be a spectacular World Cup. A full month, actually, of the World Cup. Couldn't come at a better time. And, dude, that's going to be the perfect segue right into football season, isn't it? I can't wait. Absolutely, man. They're going to keep us busy, so we'll be in game shape (laughs) as the preseason gets here. That's right. Absolutely right. VR, appreciate it, dude. Have a great weekend. My pleasure, brother. Vegas runner. On the Betting Dork Show, Gil Alexander. Check it all out at bettingdork.com. And, of course, check out the uh, daily thread in the pregame forums. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you on Monday. It's 